Welcome to the radio ministry of Full Faith International Ministries. Here with today's message of hope and inspiration is the pastor, Bishop Johnny Rutledge. Father, I come to you now as an humble servant. Lord, I ask that you would look down upon us, God, and give us your grace and your mercy this morning. Father, I ask that you would look out, Father, way outside of me, God, and see those that have been mistreated, God, in the way of this world, Father, that they tried to reach you, Father. I have seen, God, men's and women's come into your church, your house of prayer, and be rejected. Father, I ask that you would comfort them in their, in their time of separation. Father, I ask that the pastor of these churches, God, would open up their hearts and receive the loss and give way to those that need you, Jesus. Father, we know that the greatest commandment of all is that we love you, God, but also we must love each other. And we need to start right now, God, loving each other and giving to each other that that you gave us for freely, freely, God, this morning. Freely, Lord Jesus, we receive. We received your love. We received your salvation. Father, I was reconciled unto you because of grace and mercy in the prayers of a dead woman. And now, God, I shall not and will not deny another person's my prayer. Father, I ask that you would clean me up this morning and give me a better mind that I would tell somebody somewhere about you, Lord Jesus, for it is all together that that much more important that they hear from you today. Clean my heart and gather my mind that I may say the things that you've charged me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. i 
morning this is your friend and brother Johnny Rutledge coming to you on the behalf of Full Faith International Ministries a ministry that we preach and lift the name of none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and coming in onto this radio broadcast for it is a 30-minute broadcast that we try to lift the name of Jesus and we tell those that need to hear that that God gave us to tell them about none other than Jesus. I may have been accused of and sometimes found myself guilty of of saying more than more than more than a little that Jesus uh, is my Lord and Savior sometimes more than I can count. But I will continue to tell every man, woman, and child about Jesus. I'll do it because I'm supposed to to do it. And I thank you for listening to me. I have seen, I have seen, I have seen the world change from a place of confusion, a place, a place of, of disregard 
to God's name, but I'll tell you this much. It's because of, it's because of that name that we are allowed to change. It's because of that name that we're given an opportunity to be here this morning. So I'm glad to tell you again, I love Jesus, y'all. I love him so much to where I've given my life to him. I love him so much to where I preach about him. I teach about him. I have surrendered my all to him, and I don't really require no assistance with my loving God. I don't really need anybody to help me lift the name of God. But this morning, just want to remind you that I have been charged to do it, and maybe you have been not charged to do it, but I have been charged to lift the name of Jesus Christ, and that's what we do. Now, I thank you for turning in again. Uh, I have a message for you today. I go so fast sometimes, it seems like I can't find my point, but here's the, mor here's the morning message. Uh, those of you that know the Bible know that there was a, a book in the Bible that, that, de that describes the deliverance of God's people. Matter of fact, many of the books in the Bible describes the deliverance of God's people and talked about how God was delivered. Uh, it would deliver his children. And one of these books I found favor with because it's a beautiful story and it's, and, and it's recorded in history, not only by the Torah and other major writings in the Bible, but it's recorded by historians in other cultures, especially the Persians. The Persians uh, recorded this passage in this little book. The book is named Esther after the woman Esther. I want to talk about Esther for a minute just to bring you up to date. Esther was a woman child that uh, was had a father and a mother, and they both died uh, while she was a child. And she had a cousin, an older cousin, who saw need to take care of her. Even though Esther being an orphan in that time, sometimes girls would be left to die. They wouldn't be taken care of. But Esther found favor with her cousin, and her cousin brought her in and raised her with his other children as if though she was his own daughter. Esther was taken very good care of. and But during that time of captivity, before the Jews were allowed to uh, to, to leave Babylon and to, and to get go back to Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Esther was one of the children that were really raised and, and grew up in that environment. But in that same era, there was a Persian uh, king who was just as pure Persian as any other Persian ever been, and he did everything Persian kings did. He had wives, concubines, and his kingdom was vast, and it was great, greatly respected because that was the same kingdom that removed and destroyed that great kingdom of Babylon. Now, here's the point we want to get to with Esther. Esther, not knowing her faith, can you imagine this morning, and I hope I'm talking to some of you out there, that you don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't even know how your life is going to turn out. Imagine this. You're a little girl and your parents die and you're in, you're in a culture where it's male chauvinistic and everything revolves around the boy. And, you know, the boy in the Hebrew culture was centered, was a center of humanity. And if a girl was born, she had to have favor with her parents because at some point, like other heathen cultures, some of the girls was allowed to not even make it. But imagine that little girl growing up in the home of her cousin Mordecai and not knowing her faith. 
She had no parents. She had really no brothers and sisters to help her. So imagine her trying to find her way. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it turns out that that little girl was given an opportunity. She was given an opportunity to be one of the most respected young women in the kingdom of Persia. Now, she was, she was a Hebrew girl. She was a Jewish young uh, maid, and she did everything that they asked her to do. But all of a sudden, the story goes that the kingdom became unsettled, and the king, Hasarias, who was actually uh, Xerxes I, decided that he wanted to have a feast. Normally, the king feast would last 120 days, but on the seventh day, of the feast, the king had gotten so drunk off the of wine, he wanted to see his beautiful wife, and he wanted to share her, and he wanted to vasties, he wanted to share vasties uh, uh, with his crowd of princes and all the other rulers of the kingdom. He wanted to show them how beautiful she was, and he commanded that his chamber maids and folks go and get her and bring her so he could show off. When they went to get her, she refused to come. And the message got back to the king. Instead of the king being one that went and dealt with his own wife, his own queen, he asked those folks, because he was embarrassed, that sat around his royal table, what should I do with my queen that she have disobeyed me and not come as I called? And they all agreed she should be disposed of because if, if, if the word get out in the kingdom that she decided not to come, then the women's of the kingdom married to their husbands would follow suit from the queen and disobey their husband. And, and, and they tricked the king into disposing of his wife. And he was wifeless. He was queenless. So the word went out that the king needed a new queen. And they began to search for her. So the chambermaids and everybody, and everybody got prepared. Let me say this to you because this is a short program. They look for somebody to fill Vesti's position as queen of Persia. And they looked everywhere. So what they did, they collected all the versions of the kingdom and brought them unto the king. And the king had to make a choice. I think it was recorded that it could have been hundreds of thousands of versions gathered uh, to bring before. I don't know exactly. The history doesn't clearly give us a number. But the number was vast. And out of all of those young virgin girls, Esther was one. Yet she was not of any royal, any princess child. She was not of anybody's, anyone's favor except Mordecai. She just so happened to catch the eye of the king. There, 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 there was a very important transaction that took place when the king saw this beautiful girl. He decided on spot, without looking any further, that that would be his queen. Now, what they would have to do is go before the king in the evening, and then the king would call them back sometimes the next morning by their name if he wanted to see them again. Before she left his sight, before she walked out of the room, the king had made his mind up. You see, let's just be reminded of one thing. When God make you, no one can deny you. When God choose you, no one can refuse you. So when the Lord told Esther to go and present herself, 
to the king, the king was conditioned to receive her and she was conditioned to be the most beautiful version he ever seen in his life. So when he looked at Esther, he was beguiled. He was changed in his own continent. And the Bible tells me that he made a decision to choose her as his queen. Now, no matter how many concubines he had, no matter how many opportunities he had with other women, this young maid stole his heart. And when she stepped in front of him, the decision was made, Persia, this will be your new queen. Now, that brought about some problems in the kingdom because the Jews was was in captivity. They was like slaves. Most of the men were, were, were eunuchs, had been, you know, destroyed by Babylon and Persia. But for, 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 for the king to choose one of the minorities, for the king to choose somebody that were not of the princes, it was unusual. So at that time, as the Bible records, Esther began to be the queen of Persia. A Jewish girl, an orphan girl, became the queen of the most powerful, the most powerful culture, the most powerful kingdom in the world overnight. Now here's the problem. When you take on a role like that, jealousy comes into the hearts of those that do not love God, so they will not love you. So if you have been elevated in a position where God loves you more and, you, and, and the public see the love of God on you and you have been set aside to be the most important person in the room and you suck all the air out the room, then everybody in there that is not like God instantly become your enemy. Esther, Esther's, Esther's problem was not her king. Esther's problem was those that hated her king, and hated her. So God made room for Esther in the heart of the king, but he did not make room for her in the heart of the king's enemies. So the king's enemy deprived and came up with a scheme to kill all the Jews in the kingdom. God wouldn't allow it to happen. Most of you out there know the story, but I want to get to this point. Esther, the woman of God, as we read, saved her people by one thing, by being who she was made to be. Esther was made for love. The name Esther really means in Hebrew, myrtle. Her original name was very important, was very important. It was Hadassah. And it meant, it meant, even in the Persian language, the morning star. She was so beautiful to where everyone would stand attention when they saw her. The enemy of the king and the enemy of Esther and the enemy of Jews made a mistake after the king found out his plan to kill Esther's adopted father. He made a mistake by sitting on the same couch with Esther, the queen's couch. You see, during that time, the only one allowed around the king's wife or the king's concubines or the king's 
maids were men's that were that were now eunuchs. They had to be eunuchs by birth, or they had to be eunuchs, made eunuchs. So this guy, who was really a prince, he was royal in the kingdom. And when everybody saw Haman, this crook, ride through town on his horse, they would bow down to him. Mordecai didn't do it because he had only one God he would bow down to. And I wanted to say that because here's what the story lead us to believe. That if God is for you, who can be against you? If the Lord has purposed you to be a queen, you will be a queen in spite of the enemies that have joined in against you. And those that try to change the king's mind will become destroyed by the very king they tried to trick. So Haman was hung on his own gallow, what he had built for Mordecai. So this morning I wanted to tell you out there in Radio Land, some of you were born to be a queen. Some of you were born to be leaders. Some of you were born to be beyond anything that you even could imagine yourself because no one has ever told you. But Mordecai, the adopted father of Esther, saw this little girl as a girl and God must have spoken to Mordecai and say, this girl one day, Mordecai, will save you and your household and not only will she save you and your household, she will save Israel. She will save all the Jews from the hand of the enemy. And I could imagine Mordecai looking at Esther and saying, Lord, how can this little helpless girl, not even a boy, fight against an enemy like Persia? What weapons would she use? What kind of understanding do she have? What words could she speak? How could she defeat an enemy that has been set up against your people? And I would imagine Mordecai over the years living out of his life, looking at that girl becoming a young maid, wondering in his mind what kind of change is going to happen with her that causes her to one day be the deliverer of her people. And lo and behold, in the season of opportunity, the Lord stepped into the picture. Mordecai got the message by way of divine intervention, standing outside the king gate, that someone was trying to kill the king. And he told the king's God, and the king God told the king, and the king rewarded Mordecai for saving his life. And so when Haman came to the king to try and kill Mordecai, the Lord had already found favor with Mordecai. The king had already found favor with Mordecai. So when the time of deliverance had come, yet the king had forgotten the name Mordecai. The Lord would not allow him to not remember it was by Mordecai that he yet lived. The king was restless in his bed the night before Haman would, would promise to kill by permission of the king, kill Mordecai, kill the Jews, the Jews in Persia. But that night, God wouldn't let him rest. 
And the king told and he said, bring me my chronicles. Bring me the events that happened in my kingdom and read them to me. And the first thing the readers read was when Mordecai saved the king. And the king woke up out of his bed and he said, that man Mordecai, where is he? Has he been rewarded? Has he been blessed? For some reason or the other, he saved the king and y'all have not given him not one ring, not one gold coin, not even a palace. Why is it that he had not been rewarded? And mind you, this is the night before Haman had gotten, gotten permission to kill Mordecai. God told the king it was by Mordecai that you have your life. My friends and brothers out there in Radio Land, I want to tell you something. I'm a great witness of this paradox. I'm a great witness of this event that happened. When the enemy has an assurance that he got you, he going to destroy you. He going to kill you. He going to remove your good name. When he's finally sure he's going to do it. That is the time that God step in. And do a miracle. And not only save you from the hands of your enemy. But he restore you to the place that even your enemy may have occupied one time. Don't think it, don't think it ungodly that their demise will be your increase. Don't think it ungodly that the Lord will allow them to be destroyed and you be raised to a place of glory. Don't think it ungodly. For the Bible does say, whatsoever man soweth, that he shall also reap. Now Esther, being Mordecai's adopted daughter, was told by Mordecai these words. And I want y'all to remember the passage of scripture in the fourth, in the fourth chapter of the book of Esther, starting at the 11th verse through about the 14th. And I want y'all to remember that when Esther was afraid to go before the king, Mordecai reminded her that you also being the wife of a king, cannot be saved if the decree of Haman is carried out. So you need to know that if you don't do it, you're going to die anyway. You and you and me and everyone else. So all of a sudden, the power of God came over Esther, yet she was a beautiful woman. She was more beautiful than any woman in the kingdom. She still had to have courage. She still had to have faith. And God stepped up in that woman and she looked at herself and she said, I can do this. And she gathered herself and she went before her husband even though she wasn't called because to go before the king and not be called was certain death. She didn't care. She stepped out there in the middle of the court where everybody could see her. The king looked at her. He was beguiled by her beauty and instantly he stuck his golden scepter out toward her. She touched that scepter and he said, come before me my queen. And immediately she requested, uh, she said listen sir if I have found favor with you 
I have but one request from you. And she asked him to allow her. You see, that's what we need to do today, church. We need to ask God to allow us to do something for God. Instead of asking God to do something for us, we need to ask God to allow us to do something for him. Esther say, my king, allow me to pair, prepare a banquet for you and Haman, your prince. And he agreed. And on the second night, she revealed her reasons for it because the king had anticipated what she wanted. He couldn't sleep until he gave his wife what she requested, even unto the half of his kingdom is what he said. So when she said, my life is all I want for this man that's with you have requested it from you that he kill me and all of my people. And instantly the king became disorientated, got up and walked out of his own quarters, went back to his garden, but he returned real fast. And when he walked back in there, this scoundrel, this crook, this devil, had moved himself to the queen's couch, which was forbidden. And when the king saw it, he said, this dog is trying to get my queen. And he ordered him, autumn instantly to be executed. And one of the chamberlains said, listen, sir, he built a gallow high to hang Mordecai. But sir, it is ready for him. And the king ordered him to be hung on his own gallow and his wife and all of his 10 sons and everybody died. But here's what I want to tell you. If Esther was made for love, Esther had to be made by love. One word I can say to the church. I know you need a pastor and God will answer your call. But the church was made for love. And the church was made by love. And in order for the church to be fulfilled and satisfied, the church itself must be loved. By whomever you call and declare your pastor, he must love you as a husband love his wife. Your church must love him as a child of a father. And you must not return back to the old way because to love one another is the commandment of God. And if you want to see a church prosper, you love your pastor and pastor love the church and God will ordain the prosperity for that church and nothing can hinder it. And the Jews were the examples of that in the time of Esther. Not only did Malachi get a ring, he got a palace and everything else. And Esther ruled as the queen of Persia. I pray that you heard me this morning. I pray that you are praying with me this morning. God bless each and every one of you. I will continue to stand and pray for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. In love and less than water, and it was not in Well, on that woman he had pity, she ran back to the city, crying glory, hallelujah. Full Faith International Ministries and Bishop Johnny Rutledge, thank you for tuning in today. You may contact Bishop Rutledge by phone at 770-865-6315. That's 770-865-6315. Or by email 
at drjlrutledge at aol.com. That's drjlrutledge at aol.com. Or on Facebook at Johnny Rutledge. Please mail all correspondence or contributions to Bishop Johnny Rutledge, 4002 Jeffers Point, Villarica, Georgia, 30180. To obtain a copy of Bishop Rutledge's book, The Will of Man, please visit Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or your local bookseller. This broadcast is heard every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. and will repeat tonight at 10.30 p.m. You can listen live on our website at www.wyzeradio.com or right here on AM 1480 WYZE.